You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions, or even the answers, are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host... Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. Joining me, as always, is my trusted co-host, Ben Triplett. Ben, as uh, we have been sitting here for a little while, and way before I hit the record button, um, we are talking about judgment today. It's not a type (laughs) of... Judgment. Yeah, it's something you eat after dinner. Mr. I've had a judgment, and now my breath smells better. (laughs) His honor, judgment... Yes. That's like an awful joke. I'm sorry. No, no, no. We're, we're full of them. No, I, I would need a judgment because we're also drinking. Uh, it just happens that we are now. I, can you? Is it honest for us to say that we're slumming it right now with, with our beverages of choice that we're drinking here? Pretty much. In, in our portable studio. Yeah. We are drinking, and I will admit this, and this is something that I would, I would, ju- I would judge me on for drinking, but we're, uh, we're meeting in a place that the only coffee we could find was... Old Folgers. <laughs> like op- opened half full container. Yeah. Who knows how long it's been sitting. Yeah, it's almost Folgers. like we're sharing needles right now just That's to get true. through the show. Yeah. I mean, this is... Which even, is very relevant to me because I've been watching The Wire, so... Well, it's, yeah, th- this isn't even good stuff that we're using. It's kind <laughs> of like... Have you ever, like... It's, like, been cut with baking soda. Oh, my gosh. It made... Okay. <laughs> so I think this is going to be a stream of consciousness show based upon where we are both at, but it reminded me of... I took, um, this is, good Lord, it's probably been 10 years. I took a group of youth to do a missions project down in, um, in Skid Row in Los Angeles. And we had one kid that was trying to, these are all teenagers, bad, rough backgrounds, et cetera. Loved them all. They were great kids, uh, though they were rough around the edges. And one of them was trying to quit smoking on the trip. And so he didn't bring any cigarettes. And so he would be the guy that would walk around looking at, like, at ashtrays. Or butts. Yeah, yeah, just to do that, and then or on the do- ground or something. <laughs> Which actually, free. I, I was actually. I mean, it disgusted me, but I was like, if that's what you need to do to get by, because I'm not <laughs> buying you any. Uh, but we're down on Skid Row. Where you've got, you know, again, it's like it's a few miles of just of homeless folks. Uh, super sad situation. I'm not trying to make light of it, but I will make light of our story for being the white people down in a totally um, area where we were outnumbered. Um, and actually did, it was, it was really wonderful, eye-opening, great work, etc. That will be my preface to it. But, um, so he's walking around and bought, uh, random like cigarettes off of guys on the street, which <laughs> that scared the crap out of me when I, when he comes back and was like, dude, I scored all this for like 75 cents. Oh gosh. And I was just like, uh, I would probably <laughs> throw that away because I'm not really sure what it's laced with Yeah, when you're buying them separately. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I don't know. It's I, like going trick or treating and eating the like apples because they could have razor blades on them. You just eat around the razor blade. Yeah, that's what it is. And then you're like, hey, free razor blade. That's true. You know, hey, now I can shave. Score. But it also <laughs> it reminds me too because you and I have a friend that runs a convenience store that shall be unnamed. Unnamed. Um, that is somewhere in the state <laughs> of North Carolina. <laughs> And I've hung out with him like for a whole day, helping him out to work. And I'm not going to say, but he does. He sells singles. Oh, wow. Yeah, he will. Interesting. Yeah, because that's the clientele. I don't think I've ever heard of that. 
Yeah, like you, you know, people come in to buy two cigarettes and leave. Huh? Because he that's figured he figured out he so, made, I mean, he they're made, really he, expensive now. So he, ma- he makes more money off selling them separately than selling them by the pack to certain <laughs> folk. So it's like renting a hotel room by the hour. Oh, dirty! Yeah, without changing the sheets. There are going to be so no. many so many references in this show. <laughs> Okay, so let's lay this out. So the whole idea, we wanted to be talking through this whole uh, concept, which is, I mean, I think in most of our shows, we talk around this idea, but the fact that that Christians and judgment go hand in hand and shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like one of those, like, you ever knew people in high school that you were dating and you're like, this is, this is not going to end well. Yeah. And that's kind of like the whole like thing of like the Christian judgment courtship that happens where you're like, mm, why this is like not a good relationship. It's not going to last very long. <laughs> um, or it's just going to be really messy and they'll have really ugly kids. Oh, and they do judgment. It was Hashtag judgment. Uh, <laughs> but on top of this. And so I, I, I do, I want to, I want to give you, Ben, I want to give you a safe space here today. Okay. okay. You told me it was one of your dreams on on our show to start working in really good analogies or or or, wait maybe not really good is the word but very far out or very creative or something like or just throwing out analogies yeah throwing out analogies and trying to push them as far as you can i just more of it was which is this this is how most of my ideas come about just something random pops into my head and i'm like we should do this and i only have like one example or one thing to stand on Mm -hmm. and then generally like a week down the road it just goes by the wayside and i have some other idea in my head gotcha so i don't know we'll see which reminds me oh you want me to throw out the analogy i was thinking of no 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 here's the ground rules for this for our talk today i i think it needs to i don't want to set it up to be like analogy number one here we go it needs to be peppered in we need to, yeah, I was going to try that. We you should know. have like a sound effect for it though. Maybe. Maybe, maybe that's or, forthcoming. Or, or you just slide it in Boop. and nobody notices until like 30 seconds later and you're like, oh, he's doing it again. <laughs> e- either, either with an eye roll or like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but yeah. So are you, you're, you're locked and loaded and ready to be a pepper it's grinder It's just a very shaker. southern thing to like throw in a really weird analogy, right? Yeah, maybe, it would. Maybe, maybe a mountain. So I'm from the foothills mountain <laughs> area of North Carolina. The so. foothills of the foothills. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, technically, I guess it is the foothills of the foothills. I think you like to paint yourself as being a little bit more red than you are. I don't know. My parents are from Wilkes County, and it's like the birthplace of NASCAR because it's also the birthplace of moonshine. Or or one of the great like areas of moonshine. Is, is there is there a really a birthplace of moonshine? I, I mean, probably. I'm sure that like Kentucky and other states have their own claim to birthplace of moonshine. But that's true. There, but there, there's the deep, there's goes, deeper south than here. The story. Get, well, yeah, that's true. But let me just say, where I grew up, I knew a guy who lived in a chicken coop. That was his house. So I mean, no, ju- it, it no, ju- no judgment. Country, yeah, no judgment. Like with the chickens, or like yeah, you kick I mean, them that's out. How he, and it, it, it's not funny. Like it's actually kind of sad because he. Uh, that's just did all he die he of had, salmonella? But no. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that, that was his house. Sorry. So yeah, and and no, I knew people that like only had Portageon or um, the outhouse. Outhouse, yeah, yeah. and that not Portageon. Yeah, that would be a little nice. Outhouse, so, they're no not, running water. They're and, not pleasant. 
I mean, I, I didn't grow up like in, in dire straits or anything, but I mean, it was, it was pretty country. If you've ever, like the hard thing about, and I don't even know how we've gotten off onto this tangent of talking about porta potties. No judgment. But okay. Thank you. I'll keep going uh, with that. But it, uh, if you've ever been around, because it is, it's essentially a pit toilet. If you've, if you, yeah, if you've ever been, well, I mean, it depends. Are you talking about like the plastic ones that people come and empty out every once in a while? You're actually talking about like, I'm digging a hole in the ground. I mean, he, yeah, they, they had like an outhouse. outhouse. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. Wood shack. Yeah. With a hole in a board. And my, my really only experiences with those were like going through the back country where they have mm-hmm. those on trails, um, oh, in yeah. areas that they don't always, cause really you don't necessarily clean them out. No. You just move the hole. Yeah. And then move like the little structure. Yeah. And yes, sometimes you all sorts of things nest in there. Well, one thing like when we, (sighs) yes. Um, (laughs) Oh, how far to go with this story? Yeah. We're like way off the reservation. (laughs) Um, Well, what typically happens is what you, um, what I learned about like the whole parks and parks and rec department, Mm -hmm. um, like in Washington state for like the whole parks department, what they would do is they really maintained the first mile of every trail very well because it was like, not, it, it, switch. no, no, it wasn't that it was simply like about 90% of the folks that actually went, um, onto kind of a state grounds to be able to hike and do everything else like that. They did it essentially was within a mile and turned around yeah. and came back. Gotcha. And so if you were going much further than that, you would experience other stuff and experience <laughs> stuff that probably needed to be fixed or changed or moved. Um, because yes, there were, there were times where, uh, we were in the middle of the back country and, mm-hmm. you know, I just learned once you open the porta potty, you just leave it open and kick it a few times to make sure, uh, bugs and stuff fly out. Because otherwise yep. if you sit down on it, it's, they're having, they're munching areas that never need to be munched on. Yeah. Oh that, yeah. You know, and, um, yeah, or, you don't just get walk into a porta or mm-hmm, shoot, I keep calling mm-hmm. them that. And so that's, that is, that, that's your down. snarky bath tip of the day. If you're. Open the porta potty, kick it around, let it clear out, and then don't do. kick it over. But no, not kick it over. Kick it around. Well, I mean, I've, seen, I've, I've seen stuff where people. <laughs> I used to do that too. Tip it over with someone inside of it. No, the, no one was inside, but Just, it's almost more mean because the people who are actually using them and working yeah. in the area don't have anywhere to use the bathroom for a while. So yeah, I've never, I've never officially so don't do that. Children. I've never officially tipped one over. We've gotten one like three quarters over with someone that we knew that was in it. And we locked the door okay. while they were in it. And we weren't going to be as mean to like actually tip it over. Cause we didn't want them to be covered in whatever that blue sauce is. Oh, yeah. Um, but we would do it to Dude, where they're, so. they're screaming and terrified on the inside because I mean, if you get like, you know, two or three guys and you get a good running start and you kind of all jump oh, yeah. at the same time, you can, oh, yeah. you, you can put the fear of God into somebody that's sitting on the potty. <laughs> Uh, so yes, how far we've gone from talking about yeah, judgment. We, so, we're further than a mile on that trail. We, right we, now. We, we're getting yeah, to some God. busted stuff. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that's a pretty good analogy. Um, Hey, you can't point it out. You got to <laughs> oh, slide I'm it sorry. in. Remember it's going to be all subtle. And it does. I don't want even, to be a good I analogy. D- even though I do like the self like congratulatory nature of it. That's true. Or get thrown in patting. Hey, Maybe hey, the sound hey. effect can be like a patting of the back. Yeah. You were like, Hey, way to go, Ben. Thanks, Ben. That was amazing, Ben. I know, Ben. Stop judging me. <laughs> okay, so we are going to be talking through uh, two different um, articles I'd found recently. Uh, one of them is called Pope Francis Reminds Catholics Why Judging uh, Others Isn't Christian. 
And this is by Antonio Bloomberg. And the other one is Why Are Christians So Judgmental by Michael Hildago. And um, so both of these, we're going to kind of bounce around talking about this weird incestuous nature that happens between Christians and being a bunch of a-holes um, a lot of time. Because I can say that because I don't think I just broke any FCC rules. But uh, I feel like that's the nicest way of putting it. And we've seen a bunch of stuff. And this isn't simply just with what's been going on with politics lately, um, which really is kind of like a drumbeat to get the Christian jerks out of the woodwork. Yeah. Much like, um, I don't know. I, I, I had no an analogy. analogy. I had one. I mean, it's kind of like the cockroaches coming out, but I don't know. That's, you know, I don't have your Flip skills. Flip light on it. I don't have, yeah, but it, the opposite of that. Okay. So it's kind of like leaving a ham sandwich in the dark. I don't even know. Oh, okay, that's never mind. awesome. Yes. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. That you was can, great. You're going to do better than me on that one. So, no, but, the, but what it tends to happen, especially with politics, is we begin to see like the ugly heads like rear themselves of the loud Christians with mm-hmm. this stuff happening. We see stuff when with, with Orlando, the Orlando shooting, we see the ugliness come out um, from Christians about that. I'm not saying everybody. Again, we're not trying to overly generalize, but there are. A, a large group of, of subset of Christians that love to judge either whether it be online uh, when they hang out with each other from pulpits and everything else to where it just, it gets really, really ugly. Mm-hmm. And what, what begins to happen is, and, and I will go as far to say this and you may have a good analogy for this one, but <laughs> you know, it, it pits, it pits Christians in a place that there really is no Christ. You know, they're just explain further. They're really like Ristons. Like mm-hmm. you kind of like take the Christ out of the well, meaning that that oh, that, that right. once you get to kind of this standpoint of being able to stand in a judgmental space and begin to condemn and begin to come down and begin to be nasty uh, mm-hmm. about other groups of people, whoever the other is, it doesn't even matter in the situation. It really puts them in a situation where like where Jesus isn't even standing near them, mm-hmm. and so I feel like they they become. Um, I mean, Christian like becomes they a, are the Jesus at that point. Who, who, the, the people who are judging, I mean, they're acting like the Jesus, but they're not acting like Jesus. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Thank you for making that clarification. Um, It's almost like you have put yourself in that position. You you were in a godlike position. Right. So you, Um, you don't. And I think the thing that's very dangerous about that is you no longer are focused at all on yourself. True. You're, you're looking past any, anything in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's like the splinter and the plank. Yeah, um, or it's you know grace and humility. What are those things anymore? We don't need them. Yeah, you know type of a thing. And and I think that again, you know, if you've been listening to the show for any period of time, I mean, one of our things is trying to recontextualize the words of Jesus and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, uh, because in many ways we feel like these things have been stolen mm-hmm. um, in the name of Christianity and run awry and run into many other places where they shouldn't have gone. But they still do it using the same term, being Christian, but yeah. So can I pull in a little Nietzsche? Uh, Have I ever stopped you before? Because this is, no. And just speaking of Nietzsche, you have shaved your mustache, which is really sad to me. Mm -hmm. But um, I did notice that before, but I figured I'd tie that in Two months ago? Our listeners cannot see that you have shaved your mustache. They can tell tell that I sound different because I don't have like the... (laughs) No longer. Or whatever sound I was... No, it is funny because it was like when I'd grown it out and my kids hated it. And then I shaved it and they're like, where is it? We where did it go? It. Yeah, we liked it. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know. Nietzsche, this is like Nietzsche's, one of his big things, I guess one of his biggest topics is this idea of um, the way that 
Judeo Christianity uh, has taken uh, in in his view, and especially I think in his like context, was about people who could not do for themselves, hmm. people who would not were were I guess scared to take like risks and to kind of like act and see how far they could go to their limits in doing. And so what they would do is they kind of went the opposite direction of these um, these like forces that make people feel like they can't do. Mm. And so what you're doing is you're like turning doing on its head and saying, mm. you know, um, basically in, in making these sorts of sort of judgment moves, you are keeping people from being able to like be their best self. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's the, so he would call, um, judgment, like the power of the weak. Mm-hmm. It's like the we the way that the weak can become strong, hmm. um, because they can't do for themselves. It's funny. And every time I think about this, I always think of that quote, and this is totally going to uh, offend like teachers. So I, I don't mean for it to be that way at all. Um, I really do respect teachers. Um, but that quote of like those who can't do teach. And those who can't teach, teach Jim. I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, the the uh, it, it also makes me think of a method man said once. Um, I don't think I can say the actual word, but go for it. F, I mean, no, no, a, I mean, rap, a rap critic. Yes, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've yeah, we we like to hyphenate our swearing around yeah. here, so yeah. Um, he he or talks breed, about it while yeah. I live it. That's he's like he talks about it while I live it. Mm. So. I don't know. There's this sort of disconnect between people who can do mm-hmm. and then people who are like on the outside just talking about it. And to me, that's sort of the same me- mechanism as yeah. judgment. It's like you're scared to do. You're, you, you don't have the capacity within you to do something. Hmm. And so you sort of stand on the outside and like tell other people how to do it. And, and it, it creates this system. I'm gonna have take, you just described all of social media? Uh, there are a lot of things in the country. I think. I mean, that, that was an overgeneralization, but yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, it's part of. Or that. like ninety nine percent of politics, like where yeah, the rest politics. of us just argue about everything and have religion. really no role in it at all. I mean, religion really does function that way in a lot of ways. It's well, the hope would be for okay, hold it. For the hope would be for religion that we would actually have a personal experience that we're walking through. Right. You know what I mean? That you're actually doing yeah, it, yeah, yeah. experiencing but like, like, it, feeling it. You know, but like, I feel like a lot of times in politics, we just sit back and watch. Sure. And then we argue. Yeah. And we really have nothing literally invested in these people doing these things, but, but we're all experts because we have a TV or a computer that we can watch them talk about stuff. And then we're enlightened. I mean, but you're right. I mean, it's kind of like, it, it's it's all on the same scale like, you, with religion, or maybe yeah. like a politician that like can, is able to sort of pile up this like capital that they can throw on someone to you know make them seem deemed less in the eyes of the public, and so you know everyone starts storing up these these like this ammunition that they can throw on other people, and that's kind of on a higher level, like you know yeah. public politics. But that I mean that happens on sort of a more day to day level too. It's, you know, I'm just going to store up these things that I can throw out at you. Um, is it hard for politicians if they have tiny hands to do that? <laughs> or, is it, or is it just like there's, there's lots of little things they have I think to do? There are lob. a lot of politicians that do that, not just little hands, but. <laughs> yeah. But it would just, it's just extra effort because, you know, whatever you're lobbing and grabbing out of this bucket of nastiness you're throwing at somebody else, you have to do twice as much work because your hands are tiny. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, um, 
I also want to retract my teacher joke because <laughs> I really too late. Been watching The Wire and season four is all about the teachers, mm. and you just see how crummy it is to be a teacher. Mm. Like you just have everything in the world going against you. So. Mm. That was just a goof. I mean, much like the don't, same please thing. Please don't judge me for that. No, no, it's good. I mean, you could say that. <laughs> I really do respect teachers. I, have I, a lot I of had, friends, and this is not related, but related at the same time because I had an experience where I was working on our website for the show and ran into some issues uh, with our hosting folks, which mm-hmm. I will not name who hosts us because they, they they were really honestly trying to help. Yeah, but the lower level support people ended up screwing everything up. Essentially, Oops. to where I was over a day and a half period watched the entire season of Orange Is the New Black. <laughs> while dealing with support and then waiting on them to fix stuff and then dealing with them again, waiting mm-hmm. to fix up. So for like what you were saying is I really have learned from that show that I really just don't want to be in prison. Yeah. Lesson learned. That's true. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's not. I don't even think I could survive in a women's prison. <laughs> but I'm just, to, I'm just that weak. But to, right. to further sort of like, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be a <laughs> dead horse, the, the teacher thing. This really is something that's been interesting to me though, because I found that it, I was a religious studies major in undergrad, and I found that there were many, many, maybe the majority of uh, religious studies scholars um, with whom I studied really had no like import at all. They had no experience or mm-hmm. very little experience in what they were talking about. It was it was mostly from like research, um, you know. I mean, very well read. I mean, the, they're wonderful scholars. Sure but had not actually like stepped into a certain religion that they were Mm -hmm. talking about, whether it be, you know, like new religious movements or, I mean, we talked about like ancient Christianity and, and I mean, you can't step into ancient Christianity, but Christianity in general or Judaism or Islam or, but I think the one that really gets me is Buddhism because people will talk. It's always, I I shouldn't say always overgeneralization, but it tends to be like an older white man that's talking about Buddhism. I don't know why that's a thing. I like when I was looking, or is that just Carborough? No, no, no. When I was looking (laughs) at grad programs in religion, many of these grad programs, for some reason, I don't know people are going to go like Google it now. Maybe it's changed since this was years ago, but it just always seemed to be a guy that is not obviously not practicing Buddhism Mm. that has like devoted his life to studying, to reading books about Buddhism and then like, you know, having students in there and talking about it for hours on end. Did he did? Cause typically those guys always are kind of balding, but have a ponytail. Yes. And like, like uh, and flowy pants, like Tim Robbins from high fidelity. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I've, I've, like, I've run into many of those around the Carborough area. I'm going to listen to world music and like cook Thai food, have for beads you, around my neck and, but not. and act very enlightened. I sound very judgmental right now, <laughs> but, hey, but we're proving a point. Yeah, I don't no, know. Uh, the, <laughs> whole, the whole point. The whole point of that was to say, I think that in judgment for Christians, we're we get so focused on kind of bringing people down or controlling people through these fixing people. Yeah, that that would that would be the fake virtuous excuse, right? Like, yeah, I'm trying to make it better. Like, I want you to live your best life or something like that. Your best and, life now, and we t- <laughs> yeah. And we just totally like miss what 
you know, we're, we miss out on life because we're so focused on other people's stuff. Well, I will and, point, let's, I just, first of all, before we go for, I just want to point out this the general irony of what we're doing here, that we're judging the judgmental. We're judging the judges. Yeah. Judging the judges. So we're, I don't, I mean. Judge I, Reinhold. The, oh, um, <laughs> it's good times to judge Reinhold. Like, it made yeah. me think of like, what's, okay, favorite Judge Reinhold movie? I, I could probably only think of like one or two, the Santa Claus. I, I only know two. Would be Beverly Hills Cop. Oh yeah, Beverly Hills. Well, Cop. Well, that's right. I think he was in all of those. And then, yeah. do you remember Vice Versa? No, I don't remember. Which that. was it was him and Fred Savage like switching places. This like came like after Friday? bit. Yeah, it it came after that. So like it was uh, this was like this is like the someone trying to capitalize on a good idea from somebody else and yeah. being like, hey, let's switch places with you know this will be great. Hey, let's get the kid from the Wonder Years and the yeah and the guy from whatever movies Judge Reinhold was in and put him in there. But it was, I loved it when I was like 12. Yeah. I just love that his first name is Judge. I think, but but there's like so many of those movies from the eighties when you return to and like the shine is not there anymore. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's lost a lot of luster or I was just really a dumb kid, which is also probably true. (laughs) But we are judging the judges. We are. I mean, we're being critical, but you know, I don't know. There's, there's, there's eighties movies that made it out. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking of Goonies. Yes. That one That one still lives on. That's a great one. Which I'm really sad that they've talked about actually making a new one. What? No. Yeah, Stop Richard, ruining my childhood. Richard please. Donner said he's on board, and they've got most of the original cast coming back as the parents. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Those tend to be a little bit better, but nah. I'm sorry. The new Ghostbusters, I mean, they've already ruined Transformers. Now they've got the new Ghostbusters. I don't which, know. I'm, I'm, hold, I'm holding out for that one being good because they're all pretty... The four ladies in it are funny. I, I just, I do not like Melissa McCarthy. I don't, I don't get her. She's, I don't know. I like my humor a little more clever than her. Are you, I are do you, like Kristen Wiig though. Are you, are you pulling it? This is like, you, just, you, just, you, just, you just pulled back in Gilmore Girls. We talked about that earlier. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but she, see, she wasn't like doing her thing. It, that was like acting. What she's doing now is, I don't know. I'm just, it's going to be like judgment upon judgment. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, we'll see. There are how, probably a ton of, we'll see. I mean, there's like, I feel like this, there. I feel like we're actually like approaching a whole movie, which again, we're judging about this and we're not even, we're steering so far away from Christians at this point. It's, it's, which is probably good. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a very disappointing summer for movies. Yeah, I think so too. I, I just, I don't have high expectations. Well, it just seems now that movies are remakes or, just like because we've, of we've run out of good ideas. ideas. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think too that Hollywood doesn't want to take risk on they don't well, want to risk true. money that's very on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and there's like the global market to think of. But. That yeah, I mean that was the whole thing that that again like they had the whole Warcraft movie. Yeah. Which like watching the previews, I'm like I Why? actually actually lost interest in, <laughs> in the okay, preview. Okay. One of my favorite things in the world. Actually, I love watching previews more than actually watching movies. Yeah. Because I think there's an art to it. Yeah. And that one I got bored within like the first 10 seconds. Yeah. Which does not you mean knew it was coming. I'm kind of. I'm, I don't. I mean, I've never played Warcraft for more than like a minute or two with people that were crazy that wanted me to play Warcraft with them. And I was like, this is just not good. But, <laughs> but that movie did horrible here, but it did huge in China because apparently. Yeah. I'm going to just judge the Chinese for their taste in movies. I don't know. Or, I don't know. I don't or know. there are more people in China that play Warcraft. And well, that could be true you know, have kind of bought into the storyline in the world. Maybe. Maybe there's political undertones that made them feel good about Ooh, ogres. I, I'm giving I'm giving way too much credit because the movie looked horrible. Yeah. 
Um, we were trying to pull something out of our rear ends for that one. But these are just case studies and like how to judge. It is. So yes, if if uh, if anybody really wants to know how to judge, you can just find us on the website, snarkyfaith.com. <laughs> we will educate you. We can be coaches, judgmental coaches. Uh, but we are a show called Snarky Faith, so you should halfway expect some of that. No, but okay, so I have no idea how to run back to where we were in the first mile of the trail. But um, <laughs> no, but I think that that a lot of this, and and even like this story, because I will just say, like we had we we'd prepped to do this. I think this episode like a week or so ago, um, and then I had a really crappy week and was like, Ben, I'm not, I don't have the right headspace to do this. And Ben was gracious enough to allow me not to do the show because I don't think, I mean, I can, I can be, I can, I just sat at home and watched the wire. I I think I can be, I can be a fun crusty, but when I'm not a fun crusty, it's just not really fun to listen to. Like when I'm just Mm -hmm. crusty, crusty. Yeah. Like old, old man, salty. Yeah. Yeah. Curmudgeon. And, uh, that, yes, that would get off my lawn. That would have, yes, I was Clint Eastwood from, was Gran it? Turismo. Go, yes. I was going to say El Camino. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong car. Um, but yeah, from, <laughs> from that, that would one. have been much more lackluster. Like, I'm going to get. Hey, I, I want to watch a movie El called El Camino. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, sure there is one out there. Oh, it is. I mean, we've been. My wife and I have been watching it through. My name is Earl. Yeah. And, and the El Camino. El it it plays, a, plays a role in that. I always thought that was an interesting car. I had neighbors that had one growing up. Speaking of summer movies, can I bring up uh, an X-Men quote, allusion? I don't, yes, yes, please. I like how how you're so polite to ask. Well, the, I actually kind of enjoyed that movie. I thought it was. The new one? Fairly well done until the end. Apocalypse? Yes. Okay, don't tell the end. Yeah, I'm not going to, no spoilers, don't worry. I knew too many spoiler people that there's times where I've wanted to murder them. And this is actually, I think, a line from the trailer. So uh, there's, like, no spoiler in this. Okay. And he says it in the first, like, probably 15 minutes in the movie. Okay. But he's um, just sort of scanning through and seeing what the world is who, like who, who now. Who is he? Um, Apocalypse. Oh, okay. Yes, I should specify. And he... You've, you've already said too much. <laughs> Apocalypse is in the movie Age of Apocalypse, just so you know. Um <sighs> Yeah, sorry so to ruin sense. that for you. It is. That was a twist. That was like an M. Night Shyamalan type twist. But he just, he sees, you know, the kind of the Cold War and politics at the time and all the like sort of positioning. And uh, he says, these are all like weapons and systems of the week. Um, and he's, he's like, you know, I'm going to bring all of these systems down so that people, so that, you know, we can show our true strength. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, and I'm reading a book on Nietzsche right now, which is probably why my brain's like going to that. But I'm like, man, that is like Nietzsche to the core right there. So he's it's, a good guy in the movie. Is that what you're telling me? Um, yeah. I don't know if like killing people is the way to get there, but maybe he's got some good ideas. I don't ideas. know if Nietzsche would have said that either. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm just gonna hit that sarcasm. That was yeah. good. Yeah, that was that was way over he, there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He. I, I just. I think of that, which it really ticks me off that that could be applied to strands of Christianity mm-hmm. and that there is another way. Mm-hmm. There's another way to kind of live into, you know, an experience um, Christianity, the Christian traditions, than this sort of like trying to control the world through judgment and through being judge- judgmental. And I think that might be what the Pope is like getting at that there's something else that uh, there's this quote in the, um, in this article about what Pope Francis has said that 
Uh, people who judge others without working on themselves are hypocrites. Um, and unlike ju- God's judgment, he added, theirs lacks mercy. And I, I yeah. think that's really important. It's that, you know, because that that's one thing that kind of bugs me about talking about like tolerance and judgment and like love and stuff like that. It gets very like wishy-washy and convoluted. I'm like, mm. I, don't, I don't know exactly what we're talking about like doing yeah. other than not saying things to other people. Sure. Um, and, and I think that like hits at the core right there. It's not that people aren't expected to kind of look around their world and say, this person beating on this other person is not right. Mm. You know, it's, it's because I, I want to, you know, there are some things out there that are really crummy. And I'm not necessarily, I'm not saying like the LGBT community and we need to go out and retaliate or something crazy like that, um, that you've heard some sermons lately apparently have. that have been saying that. Retaliate against what would be always my question. You yeah, know what I mean? Know. You know what I mean? Like exactly. when people say stuff like that, you're like, I'm sorry, what, what have they done? Yeah, I have no mm-hmm. idea what that's Excuse talking me? about. Yeah. But I mean, just, uh, and again, I keep going back to the wire, but just seeing there are so many like broken things in our world that yeah. I'm not okay with. And it, you know... Every time they, you know, I see this or like hear these stories, I'm like, man, we got to do something. You know, I yeah. can't just sit around and be like, you know, well, that's not right. Um, and, and just call it out or talk about it. You know, we got to do something about it. Um, and so I think, you know, you can have that sort of being able to look at your world and say, you know, well, this is not good. This is like broken or something. But then with with mercy and you know, I've experienced some things recently where it's interesting to see people also motivated to really want to help and serve people, mm. but they'll also jump on these like judgments, like, yeah. you know, working with, um, and just working in healthcare in general and, and in mental health in different places, you know, it's, it's interesting to see people want to help, but then to say like, this person has done this and that is just sick. And, yeah. you know, I, I mean, even in that, you know, I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with some of the things people have done in their lives. I still want them to get better. I yeah. still I still want more for them than to just say, that person sh- should go to prison. That person should be, you know, like killed or something like that. You no, know? you're right. I mean, I, and I feel like that, it just exactly how you describe that, I feel like strikes at the heart of Christianity. It, the way it's supposed to be, meaning that that redemption is always possible. Mm-hmm. You know, that hope is always possible. Not that judgment is always possible, you yeah, know, because yeah. I, I feel like that ends up being like this knee jerk reaction, especially with stuff that happens in Orlando. You get a bunch of loud mouth, just blow hard, graceless uh, Christian pastors that come out and just and say stuff where, um, especially in times of tragedy, you know, keep your agenda away. Mm-hmm. Just shut up and let people mourn and deal with the horrific nature of what happens. Right. And let us not interject into this that some sort of agenda that we always need to keep going. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, and I feel like that ends up being this huge tone deaf nature that I feel like so many Christians have fallen into. Mm-hmm. That we you know oh so this happens to be about uh, sin or this happens to be about uh, insert political issue. Yeah. Whereas we're, I mean, we are called to have grace. We are called to mourn with others. We are called to cry with others. We are called to be there to help comfort those that are that are hurting. You know, and I and I think that that thing that you're speaking of, this idea that, um, which I think is core to all of this, is that somehow God is not done with people. That's what that's what kills yeah, me about right. about the capital punishment in situations to where, um, which is a weird thing that many conservative Christians have latched onto mm-hmm. that we're you know. Again, I know. I mean, this is nothing new. That we we want to save the unborn babies, but we're totally fine with killing people mm-hmm. on the other end. And and I do. Like, I just I just feel like that. 
you know, if, if we allow whatever judgment exists in the world to just kind of be in God's hands and that we should never give up hope in people, that we should never give up hope in folks' stories because we've not, we've not walked a mile in their shoes, we've not been through their background, and, and, and things in life are more complicated than we like to look at. And I think, yeah, you're hitting like right at what I'm, what I'm thinking that um, I heard once, I think it was Derrida or someone said that um, you can only, uh, basically you can only forgive like unforgivable things. And, and what he's kind of saying, sorry, this is probably going like way outside of, um, I'm like way out in abstract left field right now. But oh, we've been there all show. So just feel comfortable. But I don't know, He sort of on a like political level or getting to like the death penalty, the idea yeah. is that in killing someone, you're saying like you're, you're not welcome anymore. That's like yeah. it. Yeah. And I think even in, in pushing the sort of like judge, judgment in, in the pulpit and really like getting into people's heads, you know, we have nothing more to do with like this type of person. Yeah. And then of course you get people who go out and say, okay, well, I'm going to shoot a bunch of people Yeah, because you have from the pulpit, you said, that's it. Like this person is unforgivable. Yeah. There's no, you have like, the, there's this huge gap between you and them and you have nothing more to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like completely opposite. I think from, you know, forgiveness is at the center. I think at least in um, certain strands of Christianity, I think most of Christianity Forgiveness is like at the center of what we believe. It should be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it should and, be. And and killing someone or doing violence is the opposite. It's like the total other end of forgiveness. Because yeah. when you kill someone, you're saying, that's it. Like, I'm done with you. Um, like, I'm choosing to end their process in life. Right, absolutely. Like, I have nothing. There, There's nothing more we can do together. Yeah. And that just doesn't, that doesn't compute to me. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, and it's hard because I feel like that, that again, and I mean, this isn't anything new. I think that's, that's adding to the whole argument within this, but I think it still needs to be said in the midst of it, that, that there are things that we do, like there are certain pet sins or pet atrocities that I think Christians will go out, you know, like that, oh, this is bad. And so he needs to be put to death. But we don't also think about like the subtle ways that our like American lifestyle, like kills other people. Yeah. You know, or, or makes other people's lives hell. Mm-hmm. Like in third world countries, you know, to where our dependence on certain things end up just just killing a lifestyle of of countries. Yeah. Or of even, people like our greed, our hunger, our need for more and more and more. And we're fine with those. Mm-hmm. Because we don't necessarily, you know, because again, in certain situations we don't we don't see the blood on our hands from from where our consumerism has led us. But in other situations, because it's more obvious, gun equals death equals this guy needing to be put to death. Like, that's simpler math. Yeah. And, and even in our country, I think just complacency towards obvious problems like racism. Yeah. That still exists. Um, that, you know, we just kind of either turn a blind eye or we tend to kind of cover over things mm-hmm. rather than saying like, okay, maybe this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's the step at which you look at yourself and say, well, maybe I'm part of this problem. I think so many people want to say, well, I don't, I don't do that. You know, like I'm not a racist. I don't, I don't hate, you know, African-Americans or something like that Mm -hmm. without realizing that a lot of things we do in life are still kind of hateful towards people. It's just sort of exclusionary. Yeah. It's complacency. And 
just not feeling like we have anything to do to help anyone else. Sure. Um, and just not understand, not even trying to like understand or see the problems because they're definitely there. I mean, they're there in our communities all over the place, whether, I mean, in cities, it tends to be on a kind of bigger scale, mm. but even, you know, out in the boondocks where I grew up in, in chicken coopville. No, I'm That's serious. Though. No, I you're, mean, you're right. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a smaller community of African-Americans where I grew up, but good gracious, they were feeling the hate. I mean, it's yeah. probably not quite as, um, uh, it, it was more overt in my community. I grew up, you know, in my middle school. I remember one day, like someone was handing out card, uh, business cards for the KKK to people in my class. And I'm like, really? Because I, I don't know. I just could not. That believe. seems really highbrow for the KKK. Oh, handing out business cards. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But, they, they've gone upscale. But, I mean, even though there's just kind of like a handful of people yeah. around, that there's still just a lot of problems. And, and, and we kind of act like we're in the New South or we're like in a new age where yeah. racism doesn't exist. But oh, I mean, I gr- I mean, it's all over the place. I mean, I grew up in like suburbs of Atlanta and like in white neighborhoods and all this other kind of stuff. And it totally happened. Like one of my good friends growing up, um, lived in our neighborhood, had a single mom. He was African-American, was just a great person. But it happened all the time to where it wasn't necessarily people saying they were excluding him because of the color of his skin, but they would exclude him because of what he wore. Um, mm. When we were like elementary school because like of the, what he played, you know, what kind of game system, you know. But, but it was, I mean, it was all like, it was all upper crust ways um, or more palatable ways to be able to exclude somebody mm-hmm. without using certain words or acting like the deep South stereotypical, but it's, it's the same thing. Like the yeah. same things happened. We just did it in more of a, for lack of a better word, a whitewashed way. Um, yeah. you know what I mean? But you know, a way that seemed more palatable, um, to culture. And I think people who just kind of throw out excuses like, you know, well, the parents should do a better job. Yeah. Or, you know, if, if the families were stronger and things like that, um, I mean, for one, I've known people in, in those communities that the, I mean, whoever's the caregiver is like the strongest person you've ever met. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, they're doing everything they can. And two, there's so many things coming at people mm. at once. I mean, we're not, we're not living under like, you know, if you do one thing or make one choice, that's going to end up yeah. having this effect. I mean, you've got things coming at you from all sides, um, especially in like poorer communities that are weighing weighing down on you. And I mean, it's like very, very rare that someone can fight up against that. Well, I mean, that's and again, like I think I said earlier, but I mean, I, what you're saying again is I feel like emphasizing this, especially when people come from a place of judgment. I feel like the math in their heads when they judge other people is very, very simple. Yeah, absolutely. It's like A plus B equals C and that's it. Right. You know, oh, if they would, well, why don't they do this? You know, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I've heard so many people like, well, I mean, education's free in this country. Why doesn't everybody hop on that? You know I mean? it's yeah. and, and not not understanding, everything is so much more complicated. And people also not understanding what it's like to be in a position of privilege mm-hmm. um, and denying that they have had privilege because I've worked just as hard as everybody else. You know, right, type, right. You know type of a bunch of BS that people like to throw at folks. And I think that, like, you know, when, like, circling back to the, all the stuff, like, that happened in Orlando, I mean, I, you know, if, if I look at the, the character and the nature of Christ, you know, I think that he would be in those places with those folks that are hurting and comforting them and weeping with them and, and mourning with them mm-hmm. and feeling the loss with them. 
you know, and, and I, I do not think, and that, that, that I, I guess it just, that's what makes me sick when I see people um, answer all of these other, answer atrocities from like a position of kind of just being able to say like, oh, I'm going to sum it up really easily. You know, mm-hmm. this was terrorism. This was this. This right. was the, you know, and, and and not necessarily living into the nuanced nature of wait, wait. There was there was lives that ended. There were stories that were cut short early, mm-hmm. um, and that will never, you know, that that will never continue. There are there were families that that were a part of those people's lives that don't have that. Per, you know, and and it, it's a very 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 nuanced and complicated and heartbreaking and gut wrenching situation. And we offer simple answers. I mean, I just I want to slap people around and just be like just. Turn off the microphone. Just be quiet. Stop typing. Get off social media. You know, it's one of those. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. You know, just or yeah. just shut the hell up and let you know other people mourn and and keep your commentary away from the situation. And 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 part of like that article that that we were like referencing too about Pope Francis. And this is this comes from like uh, I'll butcher the name because that's just what I do, not on purpose. But uh, as Bishop uh, Bishop um, is it uh, Carcano um, from the United Methodist Church. Um, speaking about the shooting, saying, you know, and I thought this was quite beautiful. Carcano. Carcano. Um, are we not contributing to the kind of thinking that that promotes doing harm to these brothers and sisters, our children, um, the the sacred children of God? And I think we begin to lose the fact that we see people, um, and, I th- and Christians lose this, that we are all image bearers of God, mm-hmm. that we are all made in God's image. And, and I think that once we lose that, once we we get onto this side that like I have God, you don't. I'm on the winning team, you're on the losing right. team. You know, like we we make these really really simple. We draw these simple lines. Um, something as simple as like kindergartners do, yeah. and that logic is somehow we don't ever grow out of this a lot. You know, and and as as humans, a lot of times, so we're um, you know we're the winners, you're the losers. We're that we're the enlightened, you're the stupid. You know, and and in these kind of situations, and not realizing that somehow I think God is weeping at our actions. God is weeping at our ignorance. God is weeping at our callous nature when we begin to to step into situations and and do more harm than good. And I guess that's the biggest part of what we're getting at with judging is that when you're sitting in a position of judgment, you are not getting down to try to fix something or help something or or offer a hand or um, or even just be able to sit there with somebody while, while they mourn. You know, we you, when you're standing in a position of judgment, you're standing away from something. Um, you were staying clean from a situation. Uh, you were st- you were standing outside of just the the natural raw nerve of life that people are going through, um, and and just speaking context into it in 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 a very just pious and hateful way. And, and I think that Christ calls us to be in the nitty gritty of life, um, to be in there with people, to suffer with people, to help people. I don't know. It's like going to the gas station to get a plate of spaghetti. You've been waiting on that one. I have been. I've been sitting. So, so what? So, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why would you? Why would you go to the gas station for a spaghetti special? I I wanted it. I mean, you're you're slumming it at that point. Well, I mean, if it's cup of noodles. Well, that's not spaghetti. It's ramen. (laughs) It's not. Which isn't even really pasta. I'm not even sure what that is. Cracker, right? It is. You're right. It's kind of like Like yeah, saltine crackers. Yeah. Two crackers on the radio right now. (laughs) Talking about. no, but it reminds me. I remember that my son still brings this up. We we pulled into a gas station. It was somewhere, and I think it was close uh, to North Carolina Beach. But they were running a special on uh, on ribs in a gas station. Oh goodness! Which why I'm a person, and again, I've seen pot roast in a gas station before. <sighs> I'm like, yeah, it's like where where do you get this idea from? 
or I, I, I've seen gas stations that were selling seafood that were nowhere near the sea. Mm. And mm-hmm. you're just they like, bought it out of the back of a van, like a yeah, like it, an igloo cooler in the back of a van that was probably sitting unair conditioned for a week <laughs> yeah. before they bought it. But I remember he'll bring that up just about like the ribs special that you could buy some ribs at a gas mm. station. Because it, when he was younger, he's like, "Ooh, I like ribs," and I'm like, "No, no, never, <laughs> never buy quality food from a gas station. No, that's just it's never going to work well." Ugh. I mean, it's just like lower your like that's the gas. You just lower your expectations if you're going for gas station food. Yeah. Like lower expectations, up your indigestion. <laughs> Down? No. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. No, that wasn't very. I good. just had a brain like melt when you said that. Oh, but okay, it was brain indigestion. No, but I think that like, um, and, and again, like as we're kind of just like just we're walking very slowly. I think we've we've done like the roundabout method. Which Always. is kind of the well, I found this. This is kind of the and, and I'll you can tell me if I'm wrong. It's a walkabout. This. this is the difference between like Apple Maps and Google Maps. Okay. Because I've like I have been I and I do I have I have many Apple devices. I love my my iPhone and mm-hmm. you know my MacBook Pro and everything else like that too. But I will tell you, Apple Maps <laughs> like steered me wrong more <laughs> often than not. Um, when you're off like on main roads on mm-hmm. stuff, I, I've been led in circles where I'm. Which is which is sad because I'm kind of just going exactly where my phone's telling me to go, and I'm knowing that's wrong. I'm like, mm, I, I, you know, I physically it hasn't kn- worked yet. But yeah, it might just work. I do. I hold out to that. I was like, well, maybe it knows something I don't know. Yeah. But every sense of good judgment within me is telling me you're going the wrong direction. You know, as it leads me like into someone's driveway, and I'm not anywhere near where I'm going. So in my hometown, I went down a gravel road. And it turned into dirt road. And then it turned into, there was no longer a road, just like tire tracks through grass. Yeah. And I just, I'm like 17 at this point. I'm like, why not? So I just keep going. I had to ford a river with my car. I mean, it's not a river, I guess, like a creek. Still, any kind of river crossing is probably not... But it was part of the road, though. That's what was so. Wait, wild. were you following GPS, or this is just you? No, on no, your no. Own? This was pre-GPS. This oh, okay. was before GPS. Okay. Um, but and and it turned back into a road. Nice. Yeah, it was really interesting. I, I just thought I, I'd throw that in. There. I like fording rivers. I don't know if I like fording it in my vehicles, but um, there wasn't much of an analogy. So yeah, that. so I'm trying to say like that that weak analogy that I had is kind of we've taken the roundabout, the long road to get to the point. And we haven't even really touched on this other article, but I'm just going to hit a few things from this. This is uh, um, Why Are Christians So Judgmental by Michael Hidalgo from like Relevant Magazine, which, which again, like I've actually, um, I've actually hung out with Michael before and not that he would ever remember it. Um, he taught a class and then I talked to him a bunch afterwards. Super interesting guy, has a big heart for reconciliation and all of this. Because typically I don't like, I'm not the biggest Relevant Magazine fan because mm-hmm. I'm judgmental. <laughs> in the midst of it because I feel like it's kind of just like, I don't know, like Christians polishing each other's knobs kind of a thing. Like where it's like, we're all like, yeah, it's like culture light. Yeah. It's it's kind of like, yeah, we'll we'll be edgy within a non edgy, like spectrum. We'll, we'll, we'll we'll talk about like one semi relevant album and then throw out like a ton of Christian. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll talk about getting close to the edge, 
and that's as close as we'll get. And then we run way back to safety type of a situation. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think relevant magazine cares about our podcast. So. No. <laughs> I don't think we're going to alienate relevant it. in name only yeah. type of a situation. Oh, um, no, but, but I, I, I do. I, I really like his heart. And so I think that like he, like a lot of this, this whole article that he's going through was, was really, it came about through a conversation he had with, with a girl that had come to his church. It had been like, um, he refers to her as a girl. I'm assuming it's a young woman. Um, that had you know been away from the church for ten years and had stayed away because she felt like everybody was judgmental within churches. Which, um, what I'm going to tell you is, it's pretty much true. Yeah, like I'm not trying to let I, where you been. Yeah, our whole thing, and this isn't saying, hey, culture, you're wrong. Churches aren't judgmental. Run back. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, our whole purpose is the fact that I think that the the core of Christianity is does not call us to be there. Now, institutionalized wise. I feel like there's very much there. It's a very big breeding ground for not being safe, not being transparent, not being mm-hmm. real and authentic. Not being and understanding. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so all that off. That's like my asterisk that's at the bottom of the page. You've just been out drinking Folgers, haven't you? Oh, yes, I have. And <laughs> I need a second cup. But because um, I'm a glutton for punishment, apparently. <laughs> I'm circling back where this is like, that's the gas station mm-hmm. coffee that we're actually drinking right yeah, now. It all It all connects. Which I never... You know, I would rather eat the gas station spaghetti than I would drink the <laughs> gas station coffee, but we're stuck in the middle of that. Um, no, no, but like, I mean, really the heart of what he's talking about is that ultimately we, as followers of Christ, we are called to not judge. We're called to be these things as, that are called ministers of reconciliation. We are called to be people that carry out this idea of healing the world, being a part of redemption, a part of hope, and a, and a part of painting a picture that the world can be better, not us saying that the world sucks. Mm-hmm. End of story. You know what I mean? And I feel like we've become these people that kind of become these, these harbingers of doom. And, and just one thing that I, you know, I love that he was saying here, and he says here, like, towards the like, middle end of the, the article, he says, you know, to be clear, you know, he speaks of violence. He says love is violent. Um, however, the violence of love is far different than the violence uh, that we dole out to one another every day. The violence of love is that when we, uh, is what we see on the cross. Like when we begin to see that, and the reason that the cross is like the center point of how we talk about who Jesus is, what he came to do, you know, this idea of sacrificial love um, in the face of people that are condemning you, in the face of people that are killing you, in the face of people that are spitting and tearing you down. It's this idea that you continue just to move forward in that kind of sacrificial love. And I think that that ethic has been lost in a lot of American Christianity. And I feel like when you lose that sacrificial love, you've kind of like thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Well, I think it, it's, it happens that way because a lot of Christians will say that you need to do that Yep. instead of doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. Which is again, I think, circling back as we we're like trying to finish up here, you know, that was one of the one of the points the Pope had said is like that we really just need to start going back to looking in the mirror. Yeah. Before we like we speak and do man, everything man else. In the mirror. It is. Michael Jackson reference. Yeah. I'm you talking like that? about the man in go. the mirror. I don't know. That was really bad. Sorry. Are you gonna have to um, pay a royalty for uh-huh. that? Um I don't. Th- I think as long as you're like under like three seconds, okay. and also I cannot carry a tune, so there's no way they're gonna trace this back to me. And they'll just say, "Why would we charge him? He actually just made more of an ass out of himself than actually Michael <laughs> he Jackson paid in the for it He by did. Singing it. He is. He is. We have. We have drug ourselves into the dirt of his. No, but I think that um, you know, as we start to get to the end of this broadcast, just a reminder that you can also catch us on podcasts, www.snarkyfaith.com. And just a reminder that all we're trying to do here is just kind of course correct the focus of the ugly head of American Christianity in the midst of it. Final thoughts, Ben? 
No, that's good. Okay. No, no more analogies. No more. Okay. Until next time. Yeah, there will be one. Yeah. So just a reminder, you can catch us uh, on our website. We love hearing feedback. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Just look up Snarky Faith. If you love us that much, hop on over to iTunes and write a review because we love hearing from you guys. Five stars is better than one star, but we'll take any kind of review possible. And uh, that is all that we have this week. And just wanted to say, hey, thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for listening to us. And uh, that's all we got. And we will catch you again next week. We're out of here. WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Aqueduct Conference Center was established in 1978 as a peaceful destination for small group meetings, special events, conferences, retreats, and weddings. For more information, go to www.aqueductcc.com. We are also sponsored by Lumen. Lumen a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be better than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com. <laughs>